Well, hello everyone. Sorry if I'm sounding kind of gross and uh, congested, but uh, dealing with a sinus infection, and yeah. Um, so I was doing my research, and I have um, come across. Well, I mean, I came across this uh, this story um, probably about five or six years ago. Um, it was based. Uh, it was actually a documentary called "Who Took Johnny." Um, and it's about, you know, a young boy in 1982, uh, Johnny Gosh. He was actually the second, um, kid to have his face on a milk carton and be featured as, um, you know, a missing child. Um, so, um, I kind of did some research. The documentary goes uh, a lot further in, um, than I do. Um, but, you know, this is kind of like the gist of it, and, you know, if you want to check out the documentary, by all means, I believe it's on, um, Amazon Prime. Um, so, and, uh, let's see, on September 5th, uh, 1982, in West Des Moines, Johnny Gosh left home before dawn, um, to go to his paper route. Um, he usually had, would wake his dad, um, to, you know, come help him out with his paper route. Um, this time he didn't. Instead, he took the family's uh, miniature dachshund Gretchen um, along with his uh, little red wagon to go do his paper route. Um, and this was about uh, five o'clock in the morning. Um, around this time, um, a neighbor, Mike, had reported that he had observed uh, Gosh talking to a stocky man in a blue two-tone Ford Fairmont with Nebraska license plates. Um, as jo- uh, Gosh had headed home, though, Mike had noticed that another man had begun following Johnny. Um, there was an, also another witness that had come forward. John Rossi said he saw a man in a blue car talking to Gosh. Now, was this the same, um, you know, person that the other neighbor had seen? Um, but John Rossi had told police that, you know, he felt, he felt something was very just strange and just off. And he couldn't make out the license plate. He couldn't get it. And by that time, um, you know, he had to, you know, start getting ready. Just he didn't think much of it, which was probably on his bab. Um, So John and Noreen, gosh, began to uh, receive calls later that morning from customers um, complaining that they had not received, you know, their paper. So John, his dad, had went out to go search for his son, going on the route that he knew that he took. And he immediately had found uh, John, his son's, you know, little red wagon two blocks from their home. Um, so John had immediately contacted the West Des Moines police. Doreen had made it clear, has always made it clear that she believes that the police had a slow reaction to her missing son. Um, she at one point had said that it took the police. 45 minutes to even come take a report about her missing son. Um, So this kind of starts the whole thing of how um, the police and Noreen Gosh have never really seen eye to eye, and she's always thought. And when you do watch the documentary, you do see some very disturbing things, um, or you hear disturbing things that the police did not do their diligence. Um, I mean, keep in mind, this was 19... um, Sorry, this was 1982, I believe. Yeah, so it was, especially a small town like this, did not have a lot of experience in uh, possibly kidnapping and missing children's case.
Um, but uh, the police did finally come take a report. So initially, the police, though, did think that Johnny was a runaway, um, but later had changed their statement, suggesting he had been kidnapped, but they were never uh, able to establish a motive for his kidnapping. Um, so a few months later, after his disappearance, um, you know, Noreen is going to plenty of outlets. She had even gotten contact with John Walsh because we all know what had happened to his son. And he had started, um, you know, he has actually become very close to family, but he had started helping them out. Um, but a few months after, you know, Johnny's disappearance, Noreen had said that her son was spotted by a witness in Oklahoma. Um, it was, uh, the witness claims that there was a boy, um, yelling to this woman for help before being dragged off by two men. Now, you can't confirm or deny that this person actually did see Johnny or if it was just somebody that looked like Johnny. But nevertheless, that is very um, disturbing to see a child, you know, yelling for help and then two people dragging him off. You know, that's, that's something that's very concerning. Um, so in 1984, you know, Johnny's uh, photograph began appearing alongside Juanita Estevez on milk cartons across America. They were uh, the second and the third abducted children to have, you know, their kidnappings publicized in this way. The first was Ethan Patz. Um, so that was kind of a way for, it was, you know, a brilliant idea at the time because back in this time, we didn't have internet. We didn't have, um, you know, all this stuff that we have now to get these people's names out there to get this, mercy, you know, this missing child's information. So basically the only ones that would really know is just the surrounding community. And there's only so much, you know, you can do. I mean, sometimes, you know, it would get national attention, but Noreen had to fight for this national attention to get her son, you know, story out there. So, um, two years later on August 12th in 1984, Eugene Martin, who was another Des Moines paper boy, also disappeared under very similar circumstances as Johnny. Um, but authorities, again, were unable to prove any connection. Um, Noreen did claim that she was informed of the abduction a few months prior in advance by a private investigator that she had hired to search for her son. Um, so years and years go by, you know, nothing. There's no spottings. There's no, you know, she's, she ends up getting a divorce from her husband um, you know, this just seemed to be a little bit too much for their marriage to handle, which is totally understandable. Um, I mean, how do you deal with never knowing what happened to your son? Um, but in 1989, 21-year-old um, Paul Bianchi had told his attorney that he had been abducted several years or about a year before Johnny had and was abducted into a sex ring with Gosh, and as a teenager, as Paul was a teenager, was actually forced to participate in Johnny's kidnapping. Um, so when he had told this attorney that, you know, the attorney was very skeptical, but ended up seeing that he was visibly upset. I know people can act like they're upset. It's, it's you know, they're, they're, they're in jail. They're trying to get their way out of anything. Um, but Noreen, Johnny's mom, had actually later would go meet him, and she had said that he had told her things that only would know from actually talking with her, with her son. There were certain things that her and Johnny would do that was never released to the public, 
Um, like he would go with her to her exercise class or her yoga class. That was never publicized and that was never talked about in the media. And Paul actually remembers uh, this boy who he claims was Johnny um, talking about, you know, going to these places, hanging out with his mom, going to the nail salon, going to the hair salon. Um, so it's very weird that this person would know that. But you also have to, in the back of your mind, think, you know, is this person lying? Is he just making a lucky guess? Like, you, you just, I mean, honestly, you just never know. Um, because, you know, he had um, described, you know, the birthmark on his chest. Um, he had uh, two scars, a scar that was actually on his tongue and a, a burn scar that was on his lower leg. Um, so now the birthmark had been, you know, widely cir- circulated as public, you know, knowledge when uh, Johnny had went missing. But the scars that were on his tongue and his lower nade were never made public. So that's something to kind of think about. Was this person, did he really know? He said that he, when he was abducted into this quote-unquote sex ring, it was by powerful people um, that were part of like, you know, either state workers, government, senates, stuff like that. So it was all kept very, very secret. Um, and that's why, you know, it took him. It was basically just like, you know, the higher ups, the people that they were being sold to were like those, those type of senate, uh, congressmen type of people. But then they had people that were working for them, um, that would go out and recruit these kids. And then these kids would get so brainwashed and, you know, abused and whatever, they would go out and recruit, you know, other children as well. Um, this is actually not a very uncommon thing. We've seen this in a lot of um, people that have gotten out of the sex trafficking or sex rings or human trafficking or whatever. Um, it is not uncommon for those people to brainwash and get the teenagers or the younger people to you know, bring them fresh meat, quote unquote. Um, but after, you know, this had um, gone to play, like he ended up not passing a polygraph test. But again, can you really trust polygraph tests? Because sometimes they're not always 100% true. So the story kind of takes a strange change. You know, nothing has happened. Years and years and years go by. And according to Noreen Gosh. Um, she was awakened at about 2.30 in the morning um, in March of 1997 by a knock on her door. And who was waiting outside for her was her own son, accompanied by a man that she was never able to identify. Now, I always found this was strange because when you do watch the documentary, you know, you want to feel for this lady. You really, really just you can see that her heart is breaking because she does not know what happened to her son and she wants so desperately to believe that her son is alive. But when you hear the story that she, you know, she did immediately recognize her son, um, he had opened his shirt to reveal, you know, that birthmark um, that was on him. And she said she ended up talking to him to about, about an hour, an hour and a half. Um, but he was with the other man and had no idea who this person was. So me thinking as a mother, and I see my son that has been abducted or been missing for so many years, wouldn't I immediately um, begin asking questions and beginning to, you know, either call the police or hit this guy that is, you know, with your son that you haven't seen in so long? Like, I would do anything I could to 
get my son out of that situation. But I've never been in that situation. But um, she said that he never, that her son had never said where he had been, where he was living, where he was heading to. Um, his hair had been dyed black and it had, he had grown it very long. Um, and, but she did say that Johnny would always look at the, the man, um, before he spoke. So basically he was seeking approval. Um, I don't know if I believe, like, I, I honestly, like, I, I want to believe that maybe she did see her son and maybe her son is still alive. But at the same time, it's, it's very strange that her son would just magically appear, just know where she's at because she was not living in the same house. She had been divorced from, uh, Johnny's father. She was living on her own in an apartment. So how did her son magically just find, you know, his mother? Um, so, you know, a few years later, you know, I guess he leaves. I, I don't know if I would let my son walk out the door with some man that we, you know, I don't know. Um, so on September uh, 1st, 2006, uh, Noreen had reported that uh, photos were actually left outside her front door. Um, one colored photo had uh, revealed or shows three boys uh, gagged and tied up. And then she claims that she had received a black and white photo that appears to show her son as a 12-year-old boy with his mouth gagged, his feet and hands tied. And it appeared that he had like a brand that had been uh, burned into his shoulder. And then there was a third photo that showed a man that was possibly dead who may have had something around his neck. Um, and it's, you don't know who left these photos, why they were left, what is going on. A few days later, the um, Des Moines police actually receive a letter. And uh, sorry, I know I'm super like gross sounding right now and sick. I don't mean uh, to be all grossness. Um, so the anonymous letter was mailed to the Jim Moines police. Um, and this is what it said. It said, gentlemen, someone has played a rehensible joke on a grieving mother. The photo in question is not one of her son, but of three boys in Tampa, Florida, about 1979 to 1980, challenging each other to escape contests. There was an investigation concerning that picture made by the Hillsborough County Sheriff's uh, Office. No charges were filed. No wrongdoing was established. The lead detective on the case was uh, named Salva. The allegation should be easy enough or easy enough to check out. Um, so they actually contacted Nelson Salva, who had worked for the Hillsborough, Florida police, and he said the details of the letter were true, adding that um, the investigation was in 1978, 1979, before Gosh's, uh, Gosh's uh, disappearance. Um, but you still have to wonder. I mean, does you know, a mother does know her son. I mean, was she just so grief-stricken and just so wanting to believe that her son was still out there and still alive and that she would just believe anything? And who showed up at her door? If it wasn't her son, who was it? That has always played with my head because I'm like, who wants to play a cruel joke on someone like this? Like, they're, they're missing their family member. They're missing their child. And if this is a a joke that someone was playing, like, the, the person that did show up to her house was not her son but was made to, you know, maybe look like her son with, you know, makeup or, 
you know, whatever, or because they just knew that she so wanted to, wanted to believe that her son was still alive. It just has never made sense to me. It's a very good documentary, so if you have time, you know, go find it. It's really good. It's very interesting. And get his name still out there because no one is still looking for him. And what if he is still alive? That has always been a question of mine. What if, you know, Noreen is not as crazy as the police and everybody else the media did make her out to be? And she really is correct. And her son is out there. How would you feel if you did not do anything in your power to follow up? Um, Until next time, everybody, I'm going to get some rest. And I hope everybody has a great day.